Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday to you. I hope you are staying safe and right now I hope you're staying dry. My goodness, we have gotten a whole lot of rain lately. Um, I guess the good Lord has decided that we need it. So what are you going to do? You're going to take it, do your best with it. And then trust God with the rest and go forward with it. Well, uh, again, happy Wednesday. Um, If you are watching this as our live Bible study, um, just to kind of remind you, we are trying to better the quality. And we know we've had some people uh, having trouble with buffering on Wednesday night. I think the internet traffic is so crazy and so busy on Wednesday night. We have have a hard time getting that signal through to everybody. So... We're going ahead and and um, pre-recording this Bible study and sending it out there to everybody. And just as a reminder, if you want to join in on this Bible study in a live way, then you're more than welcome to come out uh, to the church uh, Wednesdays, Wednesday night, tonight at 6.30 and join in on that. We're also going to take uh, some time to do a little bit more of a Q&A and discussion and kind of go over it a little bit more as a small group kind of setting and go a little deeper into the Word of God that way as well as the Bible study. So if you're you're in the area, if you're able to get out, if you're wanting to get out and be a part of the live Bible study, we invite you to come and do that every Wednesday night at 6.30. But I will also be pre-recording these Bible studies so that you should be able to, in a quality way, get this Bible study in a timely manner, and uh, that way you can make it fit into your schedule and your life, however it is that you need to do that. Um, but before we get started, uh, let's just take, some, take a time of prayer, take, take a moment, and let's just ask God's blessing to be over this Bible study, to be over this time where we get to be together through Facebook Live or maybe YouTube or, or whatever. Maybe you got us off, the, off of our new podcast or through the website. However, we're just glad that you're a part of us. Glad that you have joined in and glad that you are hopefully enjoying what we have been talking about in the book of Revelation. We are going to be, uh, go to Revelation chapter 9. So after we pray, if you want to go ahead and get going on that, you can turn to Revelation chapter 9. And man, we're going we're gonna to talk about some crazy stuff going on. Uh, but before we do that, again, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just love you and we thank you for who you are. God, I I praise you because I read through your entire word from Genesis to Revelation. I read how your hand is involved in everything that's going on. Everything is going on in my life and in this world and uh, in in the lives of the believers. I just want to thank you that you care that much about us to be involved. You care that much about us to not just be involved from a distance, but to be involved at a close level. That's why you gave us your son. That's why you sent your son Jesus to walk with us and talk with us and give us uh, a tangible expression of your glory and your word and your spirit. And Lord, I want to thank you, speaking of your spirit, for indwelling in us through the power of the Holy Spirit 
that this is not you're not a god that sits afar and and has ears that can't hear and hands that can't reach lord you're a god that is here now yes you sit upon your throne but I also believe that you are right here, you're right now, working in all the stuff that's going on in our world today, that you, you're, you're leading your people through this time of uncertainty. And I pray that you continue to do so. Give us wisdom, give us understanding and strength and favor, uh, God, just to continue following hard after you and to continue loving you with all, that, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. Father, I pray if there's anyone uh, watching this, uh, this Bible study this evening that if they're struggling with something, if they're struggling with sin or worry or fear or doubt or, or depression or anxiety, anything, a habit, something they feel like is holding them back, their circumstance or situation, Lord, I praise you because you can reach them right where they are. And I pray that you do so tonight pray that you reach them where they are. We pray, God, that you lift them up and bring them up to where you call them and want them to be. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask, Lord, that the blessing that you've placed upon Revelation at the very beginning would be a blessing that we partake in now as we study your word. Guide us and lead us, Lord, through this study. Help us to understand more about your word, your will, and your way. We love you. We thank you. We give you praise. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the name above every name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to have you again uh, coming alongside of us and walking with us through the book of Revelation. Uh, I know I've enjoyed giving it out. Hopefully you've enjoyed taking it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. Uh, we're going to read this in two sections. Probably only going to have time to read just through chapter 9. Um, chapter 10 gets into a, a, a kind of a, a transition period in Revelation, so I don't want to do that injustice by just hurrying through that. That's going to be a big chapter, chapters 10, 11, big chapters, so we'll cover that probably next week. Uh, right now, we're just going to focus on chapter 9, which is uh, the fifth and the sixth trumpet. Those of you that have been following along with us, if you remember, we've gone through the seals and how they have been broken and the Lamb of God was able to break those seals and kind of begin working out this taking back the title deed to earth or having the title deed to earth and, and taking the authority over that and and then those seals that have been broken have led unto a seventh seal which actually opened up trumpets and there are seven trumpets that have been blown each one of these trumpets represents uh, some version some type of, of uh, judgment even into where God is trying to correct the people of the earth you'll, you'll see that here especially in these two trumpets where God is, is continuing to reach to the people and say hey wake up listen uh, I, I know, don't get, don't get caught up in, in the world and what's going on in, in your world so much that you're missing what's going on in my world. God is, is reaching to the people here. Um, it kind of makes me wonder, even about now, uh, I know all the stuff that's going on can be very crazy. If you've ever tried to watch the news lately, it's, it's a mass chaos. It's a mess. It's one fighting against another. It's, it's uh, all kinds of stuff that's going on. But maybe, just maybe, I believe God is speaking or trying, is speaking to all of, uh, all of us through all of this stuff that's going on. And 
Man, I just hope that we have the ears to hear what he is wanting to say, what he's saying. Um, it's not just that he's up there wanting to do something. I think he's doing it. He's moving forward in his plan. It's up to you and me to join in with that and uh, doing whatever we have to do to join in his plan. So here we are picking up with the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet in chapter 9. If you have your Bible, you can, turn, you can follow along with me. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Um, I'm going to start reading verse 1. It says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened that bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like smoke of the great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them. That's a big key right there. But to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. And they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. But in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Let's just stop right there for a minute and kind of uh, dive into this part and get a little bit deeper here in this, in this first part. And I don't know about you, but uh, I like science fiction. Uh, I really do. I like all this, a lot of the science fiction movies and novels and stories and things like that. I, I like any kind of story that's going to stretch my imagination, stretch uh, stretch maybe the way that I think, the way that um, make me see something I haven't seen before, or think about something I haven't thought before. And there's, there's, a, there's a really large genre of science fiction. In fact, it's growing exponentially with all the computer things that we have going on now. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of science fiction from... Uh, from, from books to, to movies. Um, and, and as crazy as some of those science fiction movies can get, um, we have something that sounds a little bit like a science fiction story or a science fiction book, or at least part of that. Um, but here's the thing about what we just read to you. Um, it's not science fiction. It's literally going to happen. Uh, we don't exactly know to the pinpoint degree on how or what, or even the timing of it, as in how many days from now, but we do know that God is going to allow this to happen. And we're going to go over the reason for that here in just a second. But first, let's dissect this and, and let, let's get this down into our souls and, and dig a little bit deeper in this and, and see if we can grasp a little bit of understanding toward this. 
um, again, we have the fifth trumpet, okay? Uh, the fifth trumpet begins the first of three, what the Bible calls woes, um, as in uh, as in something that's really big and maybe not necessarily good that's going to be happening on the earth. I say not necessarily good because it depends on which side you're on. If you're on God's side, it's a good thing because he is... He's moving forward in strength and power in his plan to eradicate the enemy and to uh, cleanse the earth and, and set it back up to where we can reign and live with him back on, the, on a cleansed and purified earth and move forward in his plan of, of good beating evil, taking, taking over light, beating the darkness. So if you are on the side of light, hey, it's a good thing, right? If you're hiding in the shadows and if you're on the side of dark, as, as the scripture says, men love darkness rather than light sometimes, well then here's a woe, here's a warning. This is the first one that's coming. God does so in a way where we're going to read a little bit later that he's really trying to get the attention of the people. Uh, if you remember, we had just uh, read about and studied the 144,000 that God had placed a seal upon and um, it is a salvation seal. It's also an evangelistic seal that they're going to be moving forward in the earth, evangelizing the earth, trying to get people and their hearts to turn back to God, helping them to realize that he is the, the Messiah, he's in control, and that we need to step away from our, our selfish ways and step over into the kingdom of God in the way that he is doing things. And with that evangelistic move. So at the same time, the 144,000 are, are moving out and moving about and they're sealed by God and they're doing this work of God. Here now is an angel that blows a trumpet, which is the fifth trumpet in order. And it starts the first woe. And it says that when he blew the trumpet, I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth and, was, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And I know there's there's some thought out there that says that this angel is a fallen angel, maybe Satan himself. Um, I, I don't personally think that. Now, I'm not so dogmatic on this that, um, that I, I, I can't listen to other viewpoints and study out other viewpoints. Uh, certainly people maybe even a whole lot smarter than I am in this. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think this is necessarily talking about Satan himself. Um, reason being is I don't think God would give this key to the bottomless pit to Satan. That's number one. Number two, um, we see an angel in Revelation chapter 20, I believe it's the first three verses, uh, where this same angel has the key to the bottomless pit and and they have authority over Satan to put him in to the bottomless pit and lock that up. So if you just kind of go with the rest of the flow of the book of Revelation, my personal opinion is I don't think that it's Satan himself. I don't even really know if I sub, uh, subscribe to the fact that this is a fallen angel so much as this, so much as it is God having an angel that is his his main concern, his main authority, his main uh, job in his existence is to be over this bottomless pit. And in this bottomless pit, there are certain demonic powers that have been held back for such a time. Um, for instance, if you go back to when Jesus 
goes to the man who is in the tomb of the Gadarenes and he's filled with a legion of, of devil of demons and they run up to him and they bow down and they, they say, they ask Christ, is this our time? Uh, is this our time? Is this, is this time for us to, I guess, maybe even do something like this or be a part of this plan? And Christ says, no, now's not the time. Be gone. Get out of here. Go to the, go to the pigs and, cast, and, and do your thing with them. But leave, leave this man alone. So, hey, I celebrate that fact. I celebrate the fact that our God still has control, command, authority, and power over the enemy. Even though it doesn't always feel like it, even though you wonder, where's the light going to come from? I feel like I have been facing so much darkness lately. And even if you were to look at what's going on in the world today, I know a lot of people who are losing a lot of, of heart and faith right now because they're thinking, what good is, where's the good at? Where's it going to come from? And now is the time for us as Christians to shine, shine in our faith and shine in our belief and shine in knowing that God is in control. God is in command. There's nothing that the enemy can do to you that he is not going to be in control of, that if he's allowed the enemy to come against you, then he's done so under his authority to the point of realizing that he knows he can use it to build you, to build your trust, your faith, your character. So what we're facing now in the world Listen, this has come for us to have a faith-building moment. This is a time where our faith should crescendo. This is a time where if you're in the scripture and you're reading the book of Psalms, this is a time where you should say, Selah. Uh, this is a time where you should stand up and worship louder and prouder and greater and more and than ever. You should be praying more, praying harder, praying longer, praying deeper, Praying with more energy and effort. This is a time for you to really sow seeds into the kingdom of God. This is a time for you to lay your treasure up in heaven where the enemy will never get to. Rust will never corrode and moths will never eat and the sun will never fade. This is, this is a time for us as Christians to rise up to stand, to be the standard of love and grace and mercy and power to a world right now that not only needs it, maybe not everybody is listening and looking for it, but there is somebody right now in the midst of this, someone maybe even around you that is looking for God to move in their life. And maybe, just maybe, God wants you to be that representative. God wants you to be that one that has that authority to step into the darkness and proclaim light in your life, in your family's life, and someone you know, maybe in their life. So take that, take this opportunity, man, take it, take it and let's do something with it, church. Let's do something with it. Uh, let's shine the glory of God. Let's shine the grace, the mercy, the love, and the power of God at a time such as this. Just as Esther says, maybe for a time such as this, God has us appointed and God's put us in this place. And we read both here and in the next part of this scripture that God has an appointed time to do appointed things. I believe this. I believe that God has caused you to be born during this time during this stage of history, during this span of, of, of dispensation, this span of time, uh, we don't know when it's all going to wrap up. Maybe it'll be a whole lot sooner than later. Um, but God has you right here, right now, in this time, for a reason, for a special purpose. And I hope and I pray 
that you are doing everything you can to fulfill that purpose and to walk that walk and walk that calling out. Okay, that was a side note. That was free. Bring it back. Here we go. Sorry about that, but here we go. Um, so we have this angel that opens up this bottomless pit, and from this pit um, comes out this science fiction-looking type uh, of an animal, demonic force. And that is what I really feel like is going on here. I, I think we can kind of justify it in, in two, three different ways. We can kind of look at it and say, well, maybe he, maybe John didn't know how to describe helicopters. And so now all of a sudden he's looking at helicopters and he's describing them like locusts. Um, maybe John didn't understand what a tank was and now he's kind of describing that or maybe he's describing some kind of warfare. Well, he could be, but I want to I wanna stretch your imagination a little bit because I believe God's imagination is way bigger and way greater than what we give him credit for. I mean, look at all of what he's created in the first place. And I literally believe that these... Uh, these are a type of demonic force that's been held back and been held at bay until a time that God knows he can use them to, for his purpose and for his glory. Now, you also got to remember that he's using them, but he's using them in a way where they can't touch the men that have the seal upon them, the people that have the seal on, 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 of God on their life, on their forehead or in, in their heart. They can't touch them. This force, even though it's demonic, even though it's, it's powerful, even though it's great, so powerful and so great that um, quite literally for five months they're going to be tormenting and striking the people of earth uh, kind of simultaneously with some other things that's going to be going on, things like the evangelistic move of the 144,000, things like the Antichrist that's, that's still in operation and, and rising up in, in even greater ranks and greater power. Uh, he's influencing the world in, in bigger and in greater ways, um, maybe not necessarily in a good way, but he's in a bigger way influencing the world. Uh, you do have a... a a military force that is probably moving toward the Middle East at this time, uh, maybe the beginning stages of that, because we know that there will be a holy war at the end of this, and it's going to be over there in the Middle East. So we've got some 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 chess moves that's going on in that way. Um, you've got some stuff that's going to be happening. Uh, in a continual basis with some of the things that we've already read, like there's still some repercussion of all of the, the, the wormwood that's hit the water and bitterness that's been in the water and some of the other natural disasters and things that God's allowed to happen, volcanoes, astro, all of this is kind of almost, go, almost going to be happening at the same time and overlapping in a lot of ways. And so here you have almost like it's another thing where, where if you're like me in 2020, you're kind of thinking, oh my goodness, one thing right after the other, what in the world is going to be happening next? Um, this is kind of the mindset of what's going on with the people here in the world right now as we're reading is, what else is going to happen? What else is coming? And as if they could think of no other thing, then all of a sudden here comes a demonic force that has been held back that no one has ever even seen before. And it's released and it's released to torment so badly the Bible says that they're going to be wishing, there will be people wishing to die, and yet they can't do it. Death will flee them. It, it, will, it will slip through their fingers, 
It will not be an easy time for them if they're not following God, if they've not repented, if they've not come to him, if they've not asked for forgiveness, if they've not realized what's going on. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be very, uh, very caught up in, in selfish things, kind of like now maybe, but there's a lot of things that's going to be happening uh, where people are just going to be stubborn. And, um, I know you and I have probably never been stubborn. <laughs> yeah, right. Praise God that he knows how to work through my stubbornness. And praise God that he's given me grace to, to work through all of that. But man, there's going to be some people that's going to be so caught up in their own selfish ways, own selfish desires, that, it, that the enemy is going to use that. He uses that like a seat. He uses your selfish desires like a seat to sit on and enthrone himself in your heart and in your life. And he's going to do that in a big way right here. We're going to see that more in a little bit. Um, but, but God says that don't even touch. They're like locusts, but locusts usually come for the green stuff, right? Well, this is not a natural type of locust. This is almost a supernatural type of situation where they're, don't, don't worry about the grass, don't worry about the bushes or the trees or the crops or anything like that. In fact, a lot of them, has already, they have already been hit. If you remember, one-third of the crops, the trees, grass, all that, sorry, vegetation's already been burned up. It's already been hit. God says, don't worry about that. Move forward, and your main job, their main priority is to, is to hit the people, hit those that... Um, that, that aren't believing in God, that don't have the seal of God on them. Um, it's kind of hard to take for a second. I mean, if you really try to sit back and, and think about, oh my goodness, would, would God allow such evil to, to hit the earth? I don't really understand how that would happen. And, and, and you're like me and you try to work through that. And here's where we have to come to a place to. Number one, he's in control. Number two, he's given men thousands of years to come to know him and to come to him. For those that never got a chance to know him ever, never had an opportunity, that judgment is in his hands. I don't get paid enough dollars to make that judgment, to make that call. That's up to bigger, bigger than me. That's up to bigger than I. I will trust him with that. All I know is, is if I have been given uh, this this gift, I'm responsible for what I do with this gift. And so is everyone else, this gift that God's given. Um, and he's given multiple times and, merci and, and mercifully, grace, graciously, he's given these gifts to men for thousands of years and they have not listened. And it's, it's like I said earlier in the Gospels that men just love darkness rather than light sometimes and they would rather exalt their selfish pride and selfish desires and self-centeredness and self-justification over exalting God in their life. Well, that, without sounding gloom and doom, there's going to come a time when, when that's going to be, that's going to be, have, you're going to have to deal with that. And God is, believe it or not, in this way, God is trying to help them deal with it ahead of time by saying, listen up, listen to me. If you want the enemy to control your life, look what the enemy does. I've held him back, but now that I've released him, look what he does. He torments. He, he, he thinks he promises you stuff, or you think he promises you stuff, but really what he does is bring torment. Uh, let's go back to the demon-possessed man and, all, and a lot of different demon-possession situations in the Gospels. 
Um, there's multiple times where we see in the Gospels people that are demon-possessed, and in every single time, they are being tormented in some way, shape, or form. And God is trying to let you know that, hey, if, this is, if you want torment, here, here, here's a taste of it. This, and as bad as that is, this is not near as bad as what the final judgment would be that you were to go into if you never did believe in him, if you had that opportunity and you did not, did not come to him. So he's saying, if, here, here's a taste. Here's a taste of some medicine that, that I hope will wake you up, as if God is saying. So here we, here we have, uh, in fact, let's read on, and it says that they, they, they look like locusts, and in fact, they come from this smoke. We, this smoke can be kind of interpreted a couple of different ways. Uh, number one, it can be interpreted like uh, you've seen a cloud of locusts or at least you maybe have heard of that coming to where it's so thick and so big and there's so many that it blocks out the sun. We've, we've read about that and heard how that can happen. Another interpretation says the smoke is actually like a smoke screen because uh, you've got the works of the enemy happening, trying to combat the works of God, and especially through the Antichrist to, to de keep deceiving the nations and the people. And maybe through what he tries to deceive, there's a smoke screen, but it ends up being really bad and something coming out of that. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure uh, if, if there's one way preferred over another, but I know this. I know that, um, that there's going to be a swarm of them enough to harm the entire earth, or at least those that are not believing in him. And it says that they were... They were given power like a scorpion, which means that there's a sting to it. Um, um, it it's, the, it's, it's like having the sting of death, but never being able to get to that. Uh, it says that they had, they, they had the shape of locusts that were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns, something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. That's some crazy looking stuff, but yet God, I believe, has a great imagination, and here it comes. Uh, here comes some demonic stuff. I want to get down a little bit uh, further in that before we read the next uh, section of Trumpets, and it says that, um, that there was, they had a king over them, and this king over them was, in the Hebrew, Abaddon, or in Greek, Apollyon. And they basically mean close to the same thing. Uh, destruction, uh, Abaddon means destruction in Hebrew. Uh, Apollyon in the Greek means um, uh, basically the same thing. Um, it means destroyer. So um, they kind of mean basically the same thing. But here is this king. Um, from this bottomless pit who's kind of like the commander-in-chief over this demonic power and it's from this place or even um, king being named destruction or destroyer now that's found in, in two or three different places in scriptures Job 26 and 6 talks about this first Corinthians 10 talks about this Psalm I think it's 89 talks about this I have to go back and look at my notes but um, tag me if I'm wrong. It's somewhere in the 80s. So, so there's this destruction, destroyer. It's, it's in many places in Scripture, and they almost all reference the fact that it's a place of holding um, that is meant to be released at some point in time or meant to be 
a destructive thing if you were to go there. And so here you have this destruction now that has been released upon the earth. And this destruction is not meant for the earth physically itself. That's already been going on. But this is specifically designed to work in men's life. And again, you got you to gotta trust me in this. And we'll read a little further. He's, God's doing so so that he can get your attention. You know, unfortunately um, and fortunately... God allows some things to happen in our life. Now, some of the things that happen in our life, because I've made a dumb mistake, maybe a series of dumb mistakes. Uh, sometimes things happen in life because I got what I wanted when I wanted more selfish desire than God's plan for my life. And God in those moments has stepped back and said, all right, if this is what you want, here's what, you, here's what it is. But I do also believe this, that God can use all of this bad stuff that happens, the things that we go through, God can use it for his glory and for your good. I believe that he can turn people's hearts around in this. Sometimes that's why we, that's why we hit a wall. That's why we hit rock bottom, so that we will finally turn and look up to him. And that's what he's trying to do, or that's what he is doing here in this time, in this frame, in this season. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and go on to uh, verse 13. We'll read verses 13 through 21 and get, talk about the sixth trumpet for just a few minutes. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Um, so the four angels who had been prepared for that hour, for the day, for the month, and for the year were released to kill a third of mankind. So here it is now for five months they have been wanting to die and now all of a sudden God is saying, I'm about to release some angels that's going to strike some people and a third of the people are going to die. You're, you're going, some of them are going to get what they have been praying and wishing for. Instead of, instead of praying and wishing for God to, to change their life and their heart, they've been praying to die. So God says, you know, I'm giving you five months to repent and if you haven't done so, you know, this... Now you're going to have to deal with what it is. Something, sometimes, sometimes we don't always need to get what we want, right? Sometimes that, that's not the way it works out. So here you have uh, now a verse 16. You have a, a, another army. You had the first demonic force come out like an army. And here's another army coming out. And I believe is another type of demonic force. And says, now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. And those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came smoke and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, and their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their own hands that they should not worship demons 
and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murdering and their sorceries and their sexual immorality or in being a thief or what the Bible says or in thefts. Um, so again, for those people that are having a hard time wrapping their head around God allowing such evil to hit the earth, basically he's allowing some things to happen that they have been asking for. Even if we just read this and read it literally, um, these are things that the men have been worshiping for. They, the Bible says right here that they were worshiping demonic forces. Um, well, if you have completely given your life to a demonic force to worship it, then God right now at this point in time is going to say, hey, okay, here it is. Here's what you've been worshiping. Here's what you've been asking for. And I come to bring life and life more abundantly, but the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy. And, and he's going to release that enemy for a little bit to, to do what the enemy does the best torment and kill and steal and destroy. And you have another really science fiction looking army that's coming forward. You, I've already said this before, but I'm a fan of the Lord of the Rings, the books and the movies. And, you know, uh, there's, a, there's an evil army and force in the Lord of the Rings that, that's operating all the way from front to back just about. And um, to see what they are is almost in a way is to see what these things are, that there is this enemy, this demonic force that uh, really is kind of creepy to look at. It, it's, it's got serpents for tails that will bite. It's got heads and that, that are like lions and you've got people that are riding on them and they're, they're armored up and they're ready for war and it's war against those who worshiped them. Um, God comes to bring peace, but the enemy just comes to kill and steal and destroy. And so here you have, it says, for their power was in their mouth and in their tails. Uh, we, we don't exactly know what that means on how they're going to kill, whether it's by some kind of bite, some kind of a, a venomous bite or something like that. But for some reason, their mouth is going to have a whole lot of power. And you know what makes me think, even now into, in today's world, and the way the enemy operates in your life and in my life, even today, the enemy tries to operate by using his mouth or by telling us something, which is in direct contrast to what the Word of God, which proceeds from the mouth of God, being the personified image of God in the word becoming flesh in Christ that when we when we forget and we don't we don't adhere to what God says about us and we instead adhere to what the enemy says about us then we begin to fall and we begin to slip back and our minds begin to get taken over with doubt or fear or depression or whatever it is that, that we have allowed to creep into our hearts and into our lives. And the enemy loves to speak lies to us and de to deceive us by speaking lies to us. Um, the enemy loves to, to begin testing our faith, 
not always by something physically happening to us, but, but by testing our faith in, in how much we believe what God says. Go all the way back to Genesis. That's what happened with, with Adam and Eve, where the enemy shows up and tests Eve in how she listened to what God said. I know that is one of the most frustrating things about being a parent. Say amen, somebody. I don't think my kids are listening. But say amen to that if you understand what I'm talking about, where you have said something and you know that that something is, can even be important and so much so that it's something you need and want done and something that's going to build them and build their character, and yet they just don't do it. And, right? It's very frustrating. Um, God I probably feels the same way about me, maybe, maybe you sometimes, uh, about him saying this certain something about your life and the enemy coming in and saying, nah, nah, don't believe that. For instance, do you always feel forgiven? Do you always feel like you are God's righteousness? When the scripture very clearly says both things, that you are his righteousness, that you are redeemed and you are forgiven. <clears throat> you are holy. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're, you're called unto his purpose. We don't always feel that way. Why? Because a lot of times we're hearing what the enemy says, either through our circumstance, situations, our, our mistakes, our, our habits, our setbacks, our things things that hold us back. Um, we're not hearing the word of God clearly through all of that and standing on the authority of the word of God in that. Now here we have this book of this chapter 9 in the book of Revelation that um, is really ramping up with this clash between good and evil and the demonic forces and, and God, uh, God's light trying to shine through. And here's what we have to understand Okay, I want you to get this. There's two or three things I want you to get, and then I'm going close to this, close this Bible study down. But the first thing that you have to get is that God is in control of this. God has held them back. In fact, it even says for the, the, the hour, the day, the month, the year, which means this. There was an appointed time where God knew the very year. He knew the very month. He knew the very day. He even knew the very hour that this was going to take place. And so if he knew all of this was going to take place, then that means he has preordained things to happen before that. And one of those things that he has preordained is Jesus Christ coming for us, for the world, on the cross to give us grace and to give us mercy. Don't mock that. Don't shrug your shoulders or turn your head from that. Grasp that. Take full advantage of that. Allow Jesus to really, to really come into your life and take advantage of that. Do so now. I beg you, do so now. And if you have done that, then the second thing I want to talk to you about is, is I've, I hear a lot of times, and even I have said it a few times, I hear a lot of times preachers and Christians say, we need to take authority on something. Um, I, want to, I want to challenge your thinking in that for just a second. How can we take authority on something that we have already been given authority of? In other words, Christ came, when, when he rose again from, from the dead and from the grave and he approached his disciples and he shows himself miraculously and powerfully 
for those days after that and before the days of uh, the day of uh, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and in between those uh, 30, 40 days right there that span that window of time, Christ passes on to his disciples um, the authority that he has, that he's been given. I mean, he's been given the keys. He holds those keys up. He has those keys to, to death and hell. And, and as he holds those up, then he breathes on them. The Holy Spirit gives them the great commission and says, I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the comforter to you. And when he comes on you, Acts 1 and 8, he will give you a power that, or, or an authority to operate in. And so what that means is, what that translates is, is that you and I have in the name of Jesus, not in our own name or in our own strength or in our own way or power, but under the name of Jesus. As long as we've aligned ourselves, as long as the body is aligned under the head, the anointing flows from the head down to the body. As, as long as we've aligned ourselves under the head of Christ and we have allowed the name of Jesus Christ to, to wash over our body and to, to redeem us and set us free and allowed his blood to wash us of our sins and we are under the name of Jesus Christ, then he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to give it to you. Whatever you do in my name, I'm going to give you power to tread on, over serpents. And isn't it kind of funny where Jesus says, I give you power to do these things like tread on serpents and here we have like serpent-like uh, things that are that are going to be hitting the earth. He said, I give you power, authority over these things. So why do we always, why is our fight trying to take something that's already rightfully ours? Here's what I think. I think we're fighting the wrong way. I don't think we need to fight to take the authority. I think we need to fight to exercise the authority that we already have. The enemy knows that we have that authority. That's why he's bombarding your mind so that you will not believe you have that authority. So you will not believe he will get you to look on yourself and your strength and your power or your weakness, your faults, your failures. And, and instead of saying, I can do this as a child of God, I can, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, you will instead instead look only at how the faults and the failures and, and the setbacks and, and your weaknesses. Apostle Paul said, you know, I've been that he recognized that he had this weakness that wouldn't go away too. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and he gave this weakness to God multiple times and finally in in a final prayer, he says, God, what you know, what can we do with this weakness? And God says, don't worry about the weakness. It is in your weakness that my strength will be perfected. My grace is sufficient. Don't let the enemy talk you out of the authority you have in life. Exercise that authority in prayer and, and, and intercession and in your walk. You have the authority to be love in the middle of hate. You have authority to be peace in the middle of turmoil. You have the authority to be health in the middle of sickness. You have the authority to be sanctified and righteous in the middle of sin-filled earthly stuff. You have the authority to exercise that. Don't don't fight the enemy for that. 
It's already been done. That battle has already been won. The battle is not yours, says the Lord. The battle is his. He's won that. Now exercise in that and learn how to learn how to approach life from victory, not always for victory. Don't let the enemy trick you into that. Don't let the enemy learn learn how to stand. In fact, that's uh, what the Bible says that having done all Stand. Stand in who you are and what God has given you. I close with one um, little last illustration, one last example. Kind of goes with what we've been talking about. Uh, stepping away, I know we've kind of stepped away a little bit from the reading here in Revelation because I want you to apply it to your life now. I don't want you to wait to Revelation even though I hope you're not around at that time. I hope you've already uh, realized that and you've given God your heart. Um, if you are, let it be a warning. Come to Christ then. Come to Christ when you can. But stepping away from that and back to this, this warfare that we have with the enemy, um, there's a classic book by John Bunyan called Pilgrim's Progress, one of, one of my, my favorite allegorical stories uh, about the Christian life. And John Bunyan in the 1600s writes a, a really, really incredible story. It's an allegory about the Christian life. And there's the, one of the main characters' name is Christian. And as he's walking his life out to get to Beulah land, to get to this, this great land of promise, um, he is approached and attacked by an evil king named Apollyon. Right? It sounds familiar because we just read about that. But this evil king by the name of Apollyon, who does absolutely represent the king of evil in his allegory, in his, in his book, in his story, approaches Christian and he does so by attacking him and testing his faith against, against what the enemy says could be true, right? Because the enemy starts dogging Christian, this, and he's, he's a personified man in this story, and he starts dogging Christian by saying, do you really believe what God says about you or the, the good king says about you? Do you really believe that? Or do you believe the reality that you are a sinner and that you have messed up and that you are not perfect and that you are not righteous? And he begins to try to attack him that way by really letting him decide what he truly believes and he the thing about it is is he throws truth at him and the enemy does that a lot of times the enemy will throw truth at you you are a sinner okay i did mess up i have messed up in my life i have sinned in my life i have self-justified my sin i i i am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination um, and the enemy throws these truths at you and as he throws these truths at you, that actually in the in the story he's throwing darts. He, he's actually shooting arrows at Christian, and Christian takes his shield, which represents the shield of faith, and he holds it up before his heart. And as he holds it up before his heart, the the fiery darts are going into the shield and not into the heart. We need to make sure that we have the shield of faith that we hold up as well shield of faith based not in the truth of who you were. The truth is, yes, that's who I was. That's what I did. But the greater truth is that's not who I am now. 
The greater truth is that's not who you are now. You, you, you were a sinner. You, you did that. But now the greater truth is you're a son or a daughter of the God Most High. You're an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You are saved. You are sanctified. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God. You are a you are a warrior of worship. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. You are an overcomer. You are what God says that you are. That's the greater truth. The greater truth. You need to learn how to hold that shield of faith up and block the little truth with a greater truth. It reminds me of when the Apostle Paul uh, was uh, was on the island of Malta. He got shipwrecked and he had uh, washed up on the shore of the island of Malta. And Bible says that uh, he was trying to get a fire going. And as he was getting a fire going, he reached for some wood and uh, the Maltese viper struck him on the hand. And the Bible says he shook that off into the fire. The crazy thing is, is that all of the, the or at least the residents of Malta that were around and watching this, maybe even helping some of the shipwrecked victims, had seen this happen, this viper striking Apostle Paul. And if you notice in Scripture, the Bible says that they think he is stricken by God for a reason. They think that, that this, this snake bit him, and they even call him maybe because he was a murderer, as if to say he's getting his just reward. Well, the truth is he was. The truth is he he oversaw the stoning of Stephen. The truth is that he he was going against the will of God for for a while in his life. But the greater truth happened when he shook that viper off into the fire, as if to say, "That's where you belong, Satan." Devil, that is your place. Your place is not in my head. Your place is not in my heart. Your place is not in my soul. Your place is in there. And it's a reminder that his time is limited and that I have faith in believing who God says I am now. If you want to check out that book, check out the story. It's a really cool story because even though Christian is at war with Apollyon and Apollyon actually does knock Christian down with a barrage of arrows and a barrage of attacks. And the, the story actually says that Christian is wounded in his head, in his hand, and in his foot. Kind of a symbolism, right? Where Christ is wounded for our sins in his head with the crown of thorns and in his hands with, and his feet with the nails being nailed to the cross. And Christian, when he falls, and he actually, the, the, the story says he drops his sword as, as if to say that there was a chance for him to drop what the Word of God says about him because we believe that the sword represents the Word of God and the Spirit has divinely inspired that Word of God. Well, then the story turns in just a really dark moment when it looks like he, Christian had no hope and it looked like the enemy, Apollyon, was about to bear down on him and win. The story says that he got enough strength and energy for one last push and he grabs his sword and he begins to quote the scripture, the word of God, the word of the king, the good king that's called him 
into a new life of, of living. And he quotes Romans 8, 37 through 39. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, no any, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we give God praise for that? I know that sometimes the enemy tries to sneak in, and he tries to get you to believe something based on a, on, a, on a simpler truth, on a smaller truth. But there's a greater and, and more profound and more powerful truth happening and operating in your life now. And it's the truth that Jesus Christ has saved you. If you've not allowed that to happen in your life, would you do so now? If you have been saved, if, if you have repented and asked him to, to come into your heart and change your life and and believe in him, then you should rejoice. Rejoice. I know there's some heavy stuff here in Revelation. I realize that. But there's nothing heavier, nothing heavier than the glory of God in your life. Father, I just want to thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for your glory and your grace, your mercy and your strength and your power. I thank you, God, that you still have a resurrection saving working, wonder-working, miracle-working power today. God, for all of those that need you, I ask God that you show up in their life. For all those that the enemy has been attacking in their mind and getting, getting them to believe lies and deception, I ask God that your greater truth would come in and that you would wash them clean by the water of your word. Baptize them afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit to know how to stand and resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I pray, God, for all of those who need salvation, Lord, that you would continue to knock on the door of their heart, that they would repent and turn to you even now. And for those of us that are saved, I pray for encouragement and strength to keep fighting the good fight, because in the end, we win. Lord, we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're glad that you have joined in with us this evening on uh, our Wednesday night Bible study. We will do this again next week, but I hope to see you between there, between this Wednesday and next Wednesday on this coming Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. And hey, stay dry, right? God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.